This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 5th of March 2022 at home in Wicklow. And the bulk of the episode consists of a conversation with Dublin musician and actor Gavin McCaffrey. Gavin is an old friend of mine. We shared a Dublin stage together many years ago, performing in a very successful musical. And I use that phrase advisedly, not musical, but uh, very successful. Uh, Gavin and I have a nice chat about the creative life and we hear about Gavin's background in performance, how he started as a young fella and has continued to stay in touch with performance, the arts, music particularly, um, as he's gone along and made that long journey through adulthood. He is part of a band called The Hum, and I will play out today's episode with uh, a lovely one of their tracks and in the description I will leave information for uh, where you can find Gavin's work and yeah it's a nice conversation I hope you enjoy it we uh, jump around a little as as is my uh, inclination so it's um yeah it's 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 music it's acting it's actors it's musicians it's living the life it's karate it's wellness and we have a we have a good laugh while we do it so um i hope you enjoy what you hear and i'll see you there shortly boom not gonna change my mind leaving the dream Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out. Welcome, welcome to the pod. You're in, you're in the group, you're in the crew, you're in the golden circle of listeners to this opus. The mouldiness is back. It relented slightly at the weekend. It was one really lovely sunny day, maybe more than one since last week. But it is back with a vengeance. It is absolutely teeming outside and it's cold with it. So hashtag blessed feels like it's in a vice-like grip of freezingness, coldness, iciness with the wet. I have the stove lit in the other room, but I don't record in there because the acoustic isn't quite as favourable for my dulcet tones these tones hey how's it going can you feel me <laughs> anyway there you go um women women happy happy international women's day yesterday um well it was two gay by the time you're listening to this it would have been a couple of days ago how was it how was that day for you? Did you feel did you feel honored? Did you feel connected to your sisters around the world? Was it a good moment for you? Do you feel things are moving in the right direction? I mean I, I, I hope we get I hope we get to a place I hope we get to a place in uh, in human society where we can get beyond 
gender where we can get beyond all these all these uh, divisions and um, sectionings off of identity i just think there's um there's other things going on that will that will never not be important um and never not affect all of us regardless of gender or how we identify and this is this is not this is not to uh i'm not trying to throw shade on international women's day i i generally try not to throw shade on women i feel like i honor women all the time in fact in fact just to underscore my credentials (laughs) i just put up a poem on social media for my wife because it's her birthday happy birthday wife from the hub the hub is at the center of it all this is the center welcome to the hub i put up a soppy ah is it soppy that kind of that sounds like i'm going to detract from my own work that sounds like i'm going to stick a pin in my own sincerity it's a poem i wrote a couple of years ago for my wife I've edited it slightly because I went back to it and I have this terrible habit. I've I've had this terrible habit, you know, in in my poetic efforts over the years where I I, I found myself drawn to these kind of clunky framing devices. And there, yeah, I went back to this poem and I put one in on this poem and I just was like, oh, just, no, it's gammy. It doesn't work. It just feels wrong and lands in the wrong spot so i removed it altogether. so you've just got the the core of the poem which was that, that was really that was really what was what, what i was trying to express anyway um so there you go it's a public display of affection a pda some people hate that stuff but i'm like feck it do it anyway uh, i try to i try to live in that space in terms of everything i put out in um in the public domain and that started with that started with the uh, the blog the website theclearout.com it started with the stuff i put out there and on it goes with the podcast and with some of the other stuff i put out there i'm just like just do it just do it don't judge it just do it express yourself fool so um yeah my poetry i tend to go for um the non-rhyming kind of poem it's funny my daughter was reading a kids poetry book an old one of mine from many many years ago <laughs> and she was just in the mood i'd been you know reading out some poems to her from um a different book i think it was anyway she picked up this one and she was um returning the compliment and reading out poems to me and just you know just uh picking them up blind and going for it and she read this one poem i think for some reason i think it was a spike milligan effort it was quite short and she read it and it was a poem that did not rhyme and she read it to the best of her ability which is considerable and at the end there was a pause and she sort of held the book away from herself and looked at me and just said that poem was terrible which I really appreciate. I um, I've got a bit of a bit of a history of throwing books across the room um, when I'm offended by what I've read, disgusted, enraged, indignant. And speaking of book throwers, I recently rewatched 
Silver Linings playbook, the David O. Russell film from, gosh, is it 10 years old now? Was it 2012? Sort of a dramedy, <laughs> drama comedy. Um, Jennifer Lawrence won her Oscar for that, didn't she? And Bradley Cooper. Um, I'm sure I've spoken about that movie before. I, I, I've got a real soft spot for that movie. I don't think it's universally loved, but I think it works really well. It, and it is a comedy at the end of the day. Um, I think some people were accusing it of just being a bit too reductive and simplistic and one-dimensional in its um, in its uh, depiction of mental health issues um, and trauma and personality disorders and that kind of thing. But um, I really like it. Anyway, there's a scene in that where Bradley Cooper's character, who's just been released from a... Um, um, you know, a, an institution because of his mental health issues, and he's determined to reunite with his wife, whose lover she knew he nearly bet to you know beat to death. And in his bid to reconnect with his wife, uh, even though there's a uh, a barring um, order, he decides to read her entire English syllabus. She's an English teacher, and he's reading "A Farewell to Arms" by Hemingway, and so there's a. A nicely edited sequence where he's manically consuming the book, reading it from you know start to finish into the early hours of the morning, <laughs> and then when it finishes, he slams the book shut and fires it through the window, smashing the glass out the front of the house, and is just enraged by the um, the ending that Hemingway chose for it. Uh, anyway, there you go, and storms into his parents' room to go. What the hell? Isn't life tough enough? Isn't it tough enough indeed? And as we know, it's particularly tough for um, for people in Ukraine at the moment. Um, and the loss of life there is horrible. And the incidents, some of the incidents that I've read, I don't think you can put it any other way. They're war crimes. I mean, civilians are being shot. It's, um, it's a really screwed situation. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that today I, I did touch on that last week at, at some length so um this week's episode is is fundamentally an interview the first interview on the clear out podcast so it's very exciting uh my friend and former acting colleague gavin mccaffrey uh, came to visit and we spent about an hour having a good old chat about the life of the artist. And for him particularly, he is a musician first and foremost. Um, or that's what he's ended up focusing on most in his in his professional career. And yeah, it's a really nice interview about living the life and making a living from music uh, at the... What... How can I put it in a way that doesn't sound insulting or condescending? It's what musicians all over the world do. It's those jobbing gigs, it's weddings, it's public functions, it's um, ceremonies, it's it's the gig that pays the bills. So it's not filling 100,000 seater stadiums, it's not the big tours, um, but it's a very real and very valid and very creative life. And... Gavin has a really good take on it and we had a good laugh just talking about that, about the arts, living that way, about um, 
what makes good music and I've got a couple of Gavin's songs to play. He has a band called The Hum, which he um, formed with his partner, Sergio. Um, listen to the interview and you'll, you'll hear all about it. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. I'll, um, and I'll drop back in at the end to say farewell. So here it is, my interview. A uh, very nice, fun conversation with the Dublin musician, Gavin McCaffrey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're going to call I'm, this, uh, this interview is going to be called My Struggles with Technology. I'm Dara's new engineer. Excellent. Yeah, um, yeah we just recorded some absolute gold, but the, uh, <laughs> the, the microphone wasn't on. So it's a very, it's a very auspicious start to having guests on the podcast. And I'm delighted, I'm delighted, uh, my friend, Gavin McCaffrey is here as as guinea pig number one. Um, so Gav, we're gonna we're gonna just revisit. We're gonna revisit with the, uh, with the great skill we, um, we used to deploy as actors. Um, tell me, tell me about your drive. Tell me about your drive. Down back here to that again. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it was, it's so beautiful down here. It's absolutely gorgeous. It really is. Yeah. It's beautiful. I'm very, we're very lucky. We're very it lucky is. to be it's here. It's shocking. It's like a little uh, postcard or something. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. Postcards from the edge. <laughs> yeah. From the edge of the abyss of middle age. The edge of beauty. Yeah. No, it's good. It is. I mean, hence, hence uh, why I refer to the place as hashtag blessed. Yeah. Um, and you were saying before that you had to use the old sat nav, the old GPS mm. to get down. Mm. So paid no attention whatsoever to any place names no not at all um although i, I remember i did one um did, did one gig in i think it was sligo or roscommon maybe at the time i had just got a new that the the phone had changed and that they changed the power source for the car yeah and the phone i was following that and the last 20 or 30 minutes of this drive this venue is just so mysterious with no place names hardly any landmarks and I remember the battery on my phone went, and I although I had a car charger, it wouldn't fit this new phone. And I had to go into a pub to ask directions, and I was just so stressed, thinking I I can't phone anybody. I don't know anybody's number uh, that, that I work with. I don't have it written down. And I went into this pub, and there was just a bunch of guys uh, sitting around this table. And I went in, like already like late on site for the start of this uh, gig, and... Uh, of course, this was just hilarious to them that here was this dub totally lost. And it was like, oh, yeah, you go up here and you take a left and a right. And I was like starting to panic on, oh, my God, I don't have time for this joke even. I'm so late. And I had to get a, I go up to the, the barman and get a piece of paper and then a pen. I start writing now. OK, so I go out of here. I take a left. Of the, oh, my God. Yeah. And and even with the, the old kind of A4 kind of book map in the car, you just still it's still absolutely treacherous to find anything especially at night at yeah. night in the country when it's very dark and there's nothing you can do oh, no, no the, the country roads at night time no that's, yeah. that's, that's that's scary terrain yeah it is and it i mean it's grand like you know if you know them and even i mean i know these roads i grew up around here so mm. you know coming around them at night you know when to kind of slow down you know yeah. when the bends are coming if you don't know the roads yeah. that are rushing to a gig yeah no, thanks yeah I know I, I'm always very careful um, but you, always very very careful good man yeah. so you're going to say here on record that you always stick to the speed limit 
Yeah, well, I, I, I do actually because uh, you know on a on a really serious note, I've had two pals who died in car accidents, and it's oh, always right. yeah, yeah, very young, and it's always been it's always been a, a, a lesson in kind of be so careful on the roads, um, because you, you, even you mightn't make a mistake. Yeah, well, not, not and in one of the cases, someone else I think had a had a heart attack in the vehicle, and that's why they collided. Wow, with with my friend. So yeah, so it's it and just that thing as well of like, when you especially as a as a dad, you're like, part of my job is to get to this place alive. Yeah, and get home. Alive, yeah, that's you it. Know? No, that's um, <laughs> you know, it doesn't get more fundamental than that. Yeah, part of my yeah. job is to stay alive. Yeah. Yeah. Until you're not needed anymore. <laughs> and then you can just shuffle never, off. Never. Who's that guy? Oh, that's me dad. Oh, he's broke yeah. now. Leave yeah. Me. yeah. Jesus. Check his wallet there. See if he has anything. Yeah, uh, he's broke exactly. again. Look. <laughs> yeah, far out. Okay. I remember um, one of my first not great experiences in a car. I hadn't been driving very long. In fact, my wife doesn't know this, so I'm not sure if I want to commit this to, uh, <laughs> to the record. But um, I remember I was coming down a country road I'd been at a friend's 30th birthday and it was a, it had been like a, a paintballing session mm. and it was, it was autumn it was rainy you know wet roads and I was I had to go in to pick up my, my wife in town she was finishing a gig and I was driving along this very twisty road and um, there was a car in front of me and I, I at a certain point I, was, I just said to myself wow that car in front is going really fast. Mm. And then, you know, there was that little kind of light bulb moment where I was like, oh, I guess I must also be going very fast. Mm. And I had that little moment of realisation and within a minute, I came around the next bend and I completely lost control of the car. Oh, wow. And I just started skidding sideways along the road. Wow. And then turned, so my, you know, I turned, so I went right over to the other side of the road, like facing the correct direction for the direction of traffic. Yeah. But if anything had been coming, yeah. I would have been directed. <clears throat> and I ended up just sliding sideways up the sort of, you know, embankment, the side yeah. of the ditch. Yeah. So the car was just on an angle. Oh, now it didn't roll over completely onto two yeah. wheels. And thank God I was able to just drive slowly off the bank. And I just went really slowly back the same way. I just quite, just come, turned around mm-hmm. and came back kind of shaking all the way slowly, slowly back down the road. Oh, yeah, and a lot of it is caused by overcorrection, you know, yeah, sure. by, by the fright. I um, and a big thing for us as musicians, uh, is is fatigue behind the wheel, um, especially coming home late at night. It's you know the cruise control is great. It can also be dangerous. That's because you have that sort of Bruce Springsteen mentality of giving every drop of energy into the performance. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I leave it all there, all there on, on the on the stage. So you just gotta go like getting towards the end of the gig. You've got to look at the band members and go, lads. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna bring it back a, a notch. So I've got to save some energy for the drive home. And then everyone's wondering, why were the last songs so low energy? Yeah, what's going on there? You didn't put, you weren't crying in that last. As you explain to people, I'm a dad. <laughs> I'm Excuse a dad. Me. I'm staying alive. <laughs> Everybody, please stop your dancing and celebrating. I want to make an announcement. I am a dad and I will be driving home very safely. Okay, carry on. Nice. Yeah. Well, one thing, um, Kiara, my wife, when she's gigging, that's one of her lines at the end of a gig. She likes to say to people, you know, her little kind of um, public service announcement at the end of a gig is, okay. now guys, remember, um, if you're driving home tonight, make sure you have a car. There's <laughs> that one. Never gets old. Trotting it out. Old school. That's good. Um, okay, so listen, tell me, 
You're a musician? Correct. And have been for... How, how, put a number on it. Oh, Jesus, I don't want to. I'll just say decades. But uh, I started playing trumpet, then guitar, then piano along the way, um, bear on some harmonica singer. But as a, I was also as a kid, uh, I was a Billy Barry kid. Yes, I was. And I loved it. I yeah. loved it. Okay, so listen, uh, you know, we don't know who's listening to this. There yeah. are definitely some people listening to this yeah. who don't live in Ireland and right. aren't, aren't familiar with the oh, law sure. of sure. Ireland. Yeah. So just, just break it down. What is or was a Billy Barry kid? Oh, Billy Barry was just this absolutely brilliant lady. Uh, she ran a stage school and her kids would be trained in singing and dancing and, and acting and performance. And all those kids were booked... Uh, most famously for the for the pantos that would happen yeah. in the gays and the, and the Olympia every year and also RTE and Christmas show or toy I was show. gonna say yeah they turned up on the yeah. late late toy yeah. show didn't they so she all her kids were trying for that and that was my earliest kind of big stage experience was in the gays and the Olympia as part of that crew and uh, oh, it was brilliant and she was just so kind to me she was really lovely to me I was a very shy kid even though I was into singing and performance and stuff um, yeah she was wonderful and um, it was a brilliant experience as a kid to be paid to go into the gaiety yeah. the Olympia for these stints and meet all these great actors and real top notch uh, performers and and, um, it was, it was and they were like they were like Christmas shows pantos yeah, that kind of yeah, thing yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and you'd be in the singing and dancing all that you'd be part of the, the stage and the crew or the uh, like village scenes or whatever yeah or, um, yeah yeah, it was brilliant. Loved it, and uh, it was uh, my first experience in there, and the, like in the gaiety where where we kind of worked. Um, yeah. Just, just a brilliant, and uh, uh, how would you say, just a brilliant theatre to work in. It was yeah. a great experience, you know. Yeah. yeah. And tell me how much you enjoyed working with me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just uh, activate my acting skills. Uh, no, it was great. Jesus, I had such a great time during that show. Uh, the Wireman. Yeah. Brilliant time during that show. And I still think about it. There's this famous scene in that in that where we had a tug of war and it, I it always comes into my mind and and you were playing the opposite crew. You were I was on the other side to you, wasn't we were like enemies were we, or something. Were we? Or were we the same? I, I thought no, we were both the country guys. I don't think we were because I remember we, so the director told us, you know, when you're having the tug of war scene, you know, maybe one or two of you should take off your shirts and kind of Fulling it, you know, kind of real, like, oh, let's go to war. And this quickly became a game of let's take our shirts off, roll it into a ball, and see if you can nail someone in the head on the other side of the stage. And this was very, very the, professional. The yeah. greatest crack I've ever had. And I remember nailing you one night, and it was just, I had to turn my back to the crowd. I was laughing so hard. It was brutal. Nice. And your, yeah, your performance didn't suffer at all. <laughs> so um, that show, that show, just to, uh, just to clarify, that show was uh, written by the late uh, Shay Healy yeah, uh, called The Wireman. And basically Shay had this idea to make, uh, to write this musical about the rural electrification scheme in Ireland. That took place. I guess it was it was the fifties, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he kind of pitched it. It was almost like a, a West Side Story scenario, or a, even like Oklahoma, you know, um, farmers and cowboys. So you had the kind of the electricians were this kind of Dublin crew mm. who were heading down to the you know the rural west of Ireland, mm. and they'd come up against you know the very suspicious local lads. And um, yeah, Gavin and I we shared a dressing room, but. Uh, 
his memory is that we weren't on the same side of the fence in the show. Um, <laughs> I always felt he was pulling against me. You know, that was the tug of war. But um, it was actually, I think that show had it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I remember Shay was he seemed particularly pleased with it. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, he was a lovely man. Yeah, yeah. no, may, may he rest in peace. He was a lovely man. Um, so listen, tell us. Um, what like what have you been doing? What have you been doing uh, lately then, musically? Well, so to well to uh, as as to to make a living, I play in a cover band. Um, I guess you call it an, an event band. Yeah. Um, for for commercial events like parties, um, uh, wedding events, uh, and that's a brilliant way as a musician um, to make a living. Um, and also to, to really practice your skills and, and work with with uh, people who are you know sometimes much better than I am and it's fantastic as a way of improving and growing and um, yeah and I, I just love playing you know yeah. I just love playing I love playing with people who are who are better than I am and people who are really fabulous you know yeah and a great way to make a living as a musician it kind of invaluable to work with different players. Um, and I get the opportunity to switch between instruments to go from keyboards to trumpet uh, to guitar to singing <clears throat> um, so yeah it's, it's what, what's the what's the lineup in the, the event band or the wedding band well the idea is that it's, it's based on what the client needs so you might have a four piece that's just the main instruments like a guitar bass drums and keyboards but you can add brass or a female vocal depending on what the on what the booking is if it's a corporate event or a birthday party or a wedding event or whatever it might be um so there's different teams involved and it depends upon what the client is looking for you know um but it's been brilliant i've, I've absolutely and, and you have your like you have your go-to kind of crew that mm. you can go right as we've got a gig kind of yeah exactly yeah and different teams and um but there's always kind of different combinations of teams involved as well um yeah that's really it and there's a kind of a there's always songs being added and there's a kind of sense of learning learning this or learning that and trying new material and what will work for the event and what will fill a dance floor and what might not and that's also a, quite an education is that songs that you would say well that's a great song but you might perform that and realise oh this doesn't work at, yeah. at certain events it just doesn't work it's quite fascinating to me you know um and like the people, like say for like for a wedding, like maybe the bride or groom or whoever's hired you, they'll go listen. You have to play this song, or you have to play mm-hmm. that song. They'll, they'll hit you with their request, sure, beforehand, sure, sure, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. And and so it's a it's a funny one where sometimes they might really be determined to have something, and you might look at that and think that's really not the right place for that song. Mm. However, they're yeah. very adamant that they want it there because it's so their really song. Fun. Uh, yeah, but for example, that they might want it in a certain place in, in the set where you would think to yourself, that's not a great idea. But however, it's just going to drop, drop the energy on the floor. Kind of. It's what the client wants. So therefore, sure, here you go. And the bride and groom, you know, it's what they want, isn't it? Exactly. You know, they, if they want to ruin their, their wedding dance, they can. That's their prerogative. Um, so that's that that's like yeah so that's the like, that's, that's the life isn't it like, that's the life of you know yeah. the musician just trying to okay I can earn a crust doing this yeah yeah and I would do daytime stuff as well daytime um, you know I could do a funeral service a wedding ceremony um, 
I, I don't teach really anymore. I did some teaching, um, but among, mostly now it's just all performance, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Very okay. happy, so, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And what about, you do some, but you do original stuff as well, yeah? I do. I'm a songwriter as well, and uh, I've always done that. Um, very difficult to, to pay the bills as a songwriter, but I've always done it and just always loved the creative process. I just love, I think that's probably, like, like singing would be kind of easy as such, but learning the instruments has been challenging. That's yeah. hard, you know, to learn an instrument and to play it well. That's hard work. But the creativity and the singing is the thing that would just be the easiest for me. Yeah. You know, and that environment of being in a studio or being wherever and writing and either, you know, writing down a lyric or else coming up with a chord or a melody or sequence, whatever. That's kind of what I that's what the I, buzz. That's what I love the most. Yeah, yeah nice. I the uh, that. and that kind of collaborative spirit, mm. I suppose, yeah, as well. Exactly. Now it's yeah. interesting what you're saying about getting a lot out of playing with people who are better than you. Yeah. Which yeah. is probably that's probably the default position for you, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, look, I'm only messing. But I was thinking certainly um yeah, you learn so much from being around people who are operating at a higher level. Mm. Uh if I suppose if you're open to that, I mean, sometimes that can be a challenge to people who maybe their egos can't withstand mm. that sense of, oh man, I'm, I'm not where I'd like to be and they're mm. better and it turns into something weird. But I think mm. if you're in a, if you're coming from a place of humility and mm. openness to learning and then, and also gratitude, I suppose, to kind of go, oh, this is great. Like, watch what that person does. What, look what she's doing on the keys, what he's doing with the guitar. Because I was thinking from, um, like from a martial arts point of view, like it's always been a thrill to me to train with really good people who and see that's the thing like what, what the point I'm trying to get to is that like there's also like a shared sensibility mm. where fundamentally you know you, you know in any walk of life but like particularly if you go into kind of the arts and this can happen in martial arts as well funnily enough you get the ego you sure. get the people who are you know they're good but maybe they're not really letting you in Sure. They don't really want to share. Yeah. They don't want to share yeah. the space. They don't yeah. want to share the stage. They don't want to share their skill set. They don't want to yeah. keep that kind of aloofness or that removed, kind of keep themselves a little bit kind of ring fenced. But like I found when you meet people who are relaxed with their gift mm. and comfortable with their talent, with their capability, mm. and they they too have the the appetite mm. for learning. Oh yeah. And yeah. it kind of travels both ways. Yeah. Okay, maybe you're younger, maybe you're a bit less experienced than you know. I can probably still learn something from you. We, let's let's see where we can jam here. And I mean, jam's a bit of a cliche, naff kind of word. But do you know what I mean? Like I'm thinking, like I've got a, a friend from karate who we didn't train together very long. We, we trained together for a while in Melbourne, and we just had this great connection. Mm. And he had some amazing skills as a, a karate practitioner. But like we just kind of met in this place of how can we make each other better? Let's get out on the floor. Let's you know, oh, brilliant! Show me, you know, show me how that works. Yeah, and yeah. for me, like that is that's a creative exchange. Yeah, like that's getting into a zone of, you know, and you know, in terms of karate, that's a bit of that can be a bit of a risky zone mm. that could end up with you getting a smack in the head, but you're going in, and the thing is, the shared love is the love of the thing. Yeah, yeah. it's not like. Yeah. Let me show you how amazing I am. It's yeah. like let's do this thing, yeah. and let's see where it's going to take us. Yeah, and then it's it's a moment of liftoff. Sure, and that's the excitement, and that's the creative yeah. reward, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, it's funny what you were saying there about people like 
I went to the College of Music, I went to the Academy and did my grades there in piano. Sometimes I think to myself that what I'm doing now is the greatest education where you just sit in with someone and um, it's shocking how good they are. Yeah. And that is such an education. It's like, oh, wow. It, I don't it can be occasionally depressing. <laughs> no, I don't really get that way. Um, I don't really... I, no, I don't. I never... Well, I used to kind of get that way, but I don't now. Now it's, it's just quite kind of... Um, it's just so exciting. Yeah, <laughs> to, to hear someone playing an instrument and go, oh, my goodness, that is amazing how did you get that good and also it would also like you talk about the creative process with karate is that <clears throat> as a musician then if someone is so complete in what they do there's probably less for you to do you don't have to overfill mm. if I'm on keyboards I don't have to trash away yeah. I can leave space I can take my hands off for a phrase that's good man because that's so I'd go let's bring it back to acting for a second so I'd go that's you recognising you're in service of the song. Mm, sure. You know? Yeah. So it's not like, hold on, hold on, let me, I want to get in on this and let me show you what I can do, you know, with the yeah. ivories. And I think, you know, ultimately, and, you know, this is, it's, you know, it's a perspective and, it, you know, it's, it's how I would think about, like, you know, getting on stage, being in a play, uh, whatever, you know, whatever, if you're, if, you're, if you're doing some acting, it's like, well, ultimately, my role here is to serve the story. Mm. You know, how can I make the story better? How can I serve this other character? How yeah. can I have this interplay with these actors sure. that will elevate the material? Sure, yeah. And it's, you know, and maybe that's, you know, maybe that's counterintuitive. I mean, I know, it's funny enough, at the moment I'm reading um, William Goldman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the Hollywood screenwriter yeah. who wrote... Butch, 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 yeah, Adventures in the Screen Trade is the name of the book, and he wrote it around 1982. Mm. And it's funny, my mother gave me a copy of that book when I was a, probably 14 or 15, maybe a little bit older. And I just, you know, it, it was too sophisticated for me then. I just yeah. wasn't that interested. I was just looking at it. Very conventional mm. movie books with lots of photos of movie stars and old movies, and that was kind of my bag. Um, but I've, I've returned to it. I don't have that same edition my mother gave me, but it's it's been interesting reading his kind of breakdown of the industry at that time and it just popped in my head because he was talking about you know a Hollywood star mm. is always want to mm. always going to want to look good mm. and they're not willing like you know they'll go eh, they're not going to do a part mm. that they look less attractive yeah. or if it, if it ruins the mystique um, and so he was being you know it, it like the book is regarded as this great education and this great insider knowledge mm. expose of this is how the industry works. Mm. This is how vain and self-centered these you know actors you love are. Now he's not being he's not being snidey. He's not being bitchy. Mm. He's just going look. This is you know they're protecting their brand. They're protecting you know their image. Um, and if anything, you probably think it's even worse nowadays. Yeah, when you when you said that about you know how uh, how they have to kind of dominate certain scenes, there's a great story about uh, Brando doing a scene where he has to, it, the scene really belongs to the, his co-star, this lady. Uh, I can't even think of the film, but he has to hand her a sheet of paper. Um, initially, he started doing it in such a way that that she gave out that he was that he was stealing focus from mm. a scene that was very much her scene. She has to receive this, and it's about her. And she gave out and she said, I'm not having this, you know, he's, 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 he's stealing focus here when it's, it's not his scene and they had to reset again, you know, and, and uh, 
But the next time he had to do it, he scrunched the paper up into a ball. And so when she said something like, give me the paper, he took it out into a ball and just started slowly unfolding. <laughs> and it's such a brilliant kind of example of how, you know, of how to, uh, you know, to, to, to bring the focus back to, the, to that. Uh, and there's yeah. another great one I saw in the latest Bond movie where he, Daniel Craig, is coming out of the scene and he's walking across the street and his co-star is gorgeous looking lady wearing this amazing dress. And I was just imagining that everybody will be looking at this lovely lady and he does this great thing where he just gets his cuffs, he, he, gets his, he draws his cuffs down on his arms and it brings the focus back to him. And I was just thinking, I bet you he's aware that the audience is just looking at this gorgeous lady and this is his way of bringing them back to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, so that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's was that that young Cuban actress? Yeah, she's gorgeous, yeah. Anna. Yes, Anna, that's Anna, the one, yeah. Uh, Funny, I was talking about her recently yeah. enough on the pod, and I, I mm. went blank on her name. Yeah, she is. She's a, she's very funny in that sequence. Actually, she's brilliant. She's fantastic. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's funny. There's another famous story about one of the um, old Irish stage actors. I don't know if it was David Kelly or Cyril Cusack, but they were notorious mm. for trying to get keep the focus on themselves. Yeah. And there was some, and it was they both kind of fit because they both had that similar kind of quality maybe as as actors, but basically there was some scene on stage and the, the actor in question he was he was upstage and basically um, <laughs> the focus was meant to be on the actors who were downstage, that was where the action was happening, that was mm-hmm. where the dialogue was taking place, but he went upstage and basically you know lit a pipe, Bruce. and then pretended to burn his fingers on the match. Fantastic. Just so he had a bit of business, a bit of yeah. bit of comedy business, yeah. you know. Yeah. You just go, oh, that's marvelous. Another great story: two two dames in British theatre, and they had this huge kind of um, rivalry. And so one of them said, "Well, I'm going to upstage you, not even on the stage." And I was, "How can you do that?" And as she left the stage, she got a glass of water, so she was drinking, and she placed it down right on the edge of the table, so that the glass was only really half. Yeah. on the table and of course the entire audience for this next monologue or co-star is just looking at this glass going is that going to fall is that going to and that was her way of completely upstaging her co-star I thought that's that's incredible yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's just a petty <laughs> nonsense that actors can you know, <laughs> get, you know get, get, go on with yeah. Jesus Rob, Rob Brando was notorious though he was mm. so he was just pure kind of mischief yeah you know for all that kind of talent he had and you know how photogenic he was and yeah. what he brought to the screen which yeah. fundamentally changed kind of screen acting sure. um, yeah. but like I remember like seeing him in interviews and yeah he just he was always kind of subverting the uh, the expectation of you know people who were interviewing them and like he'd flirt shamelessly with female interviewers that was kind of it's pretty old school not I mean quite I don't know I mean you kind of go ah here is you just catch yourself on stop carrying on for God's sake but that was who he was I guess you know that was his mode yeah Um, and I don't know maybe the maybe like his talent came to him so easily Mm. and all the fuss that was made about him that I think he was just like ah here let's just take this back down to a place that we're not going to take this all so seriously are we yeah, I I wonder that level of fame though. You know, it, I wonder what it does. I'd love to know what it does. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But no, well, let me let me tell you. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> 
But like it, it does, you wonder if it does really twist your sense of reality, your mm. sense of entitlement. I mean, these people are kind of treated like with red carpet everywhere they go. Uh, sometimes it makes me laugh when I hear things like, and they were so nice. And I was thinking, of course they were. <laughs> Why wouldn't they be? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? They're tr- they get a round of applause everywhere they go, you know. God. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, you know a bit of a bit of resistance, a little bit of um, a bit of grit in your shoe. Like, like oh, sure. it, 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 it's a good thing. Yeah. Character building, of course. You know? Look how much character we have. I know. I know. <laughs> years, years of grit. Too much character. Yeah, right? Years, years of grit. You know? When does the applause start? Um, but here, listen. I'm just. I'll come back to the your original music in a second. I was just mm. going to ask you though, in terms of your music mm. and you know multi instrumentalist. Which instrument, if I say, you know, if you were to pick up one of those instruments that you play, which one would you go, this is where I really sit in a comfortable place, this is where I can kind of express myself? Um, I suppose it would be the piano. Um, trumpet is a different thing where if you're, if you're kind of, um, if you're arranging a song, you'll have great ideas about brass, if there's a brass hook or a little phrase as a trumpet player, you kind of understand that, mm. that kind of role, in, say in a, in a modern pop song. Um, like guitar was the first thing I came to um, and nothing kind of brings a room together on a social level like a guitar it's fantastic yeah. uh, but but you can't get you can't really blow into it like a trumpet <laughs> you, can, you can try but it's you won't get very far <laughs> but um, but no keyboard I suppose yeah piano um, definitely in the sense that you can kind of you can kind of your fingers can can, can, guide, can kind of get to everything yeah. Whereas if, as a guitar player, you really have to build the craft mm. to play certain things, and very much so on the trumpet. But on the piano, you can anybody can put their hands on keys. And it sort of it sort of gives up its treats a bit more easily, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Fire! Yeah, fire! And here, listen. Tell me, who, like, if you were to think, like, you know, what, like, who do you like to listen to, like? That, does that change over time? Do you have like old favourites you go back to again and again? Like you think trumpet, that guy, piano, this person. Yeah, what? sure. Uh, God, as, as you've asked me that now, I'm, I'm struggling to think. I can tell you the last thing that I really um, became kind of uh, obsessed with was that there's a musician who plays on The Tonight Show for Stephen Colbert. The musician's okay. called John Baptiste, and he's oh, now. Oh yeah, John Baptiste. Yeah. yeah, and he's now um, doing gigs himself, apart from that, that show, and soundtrack work as well. But he has a performance on YouTube of uh, Blackbird by Paul McCartney. Okay. And it's just gorgeous. But yeah, you're you're always trying to find things that really hit you in a certain way. Um, he's extraordinary, that guy. Yeah, he yeah, did the, the soundtrack yeah. for Soul. That's the one. Yeah, exactly. Pixar. But along with um, Trent, Trent Reznor, uh, and his Atticus Ross, yeah, Atticus like Finch. That's uh, Gregory Peck in *The Kill a Mockingbird*. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I heard, I've heard I've heard him be interviewed, and he's just like he can't keep the music in. He's just mm. bursting with. He's fabulous. Yeah, yeah he's really crazy, really fabulous. crazy talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Mm. Um, but he doesn't play the trumpet, does he? He's no, a piano I, guy. He's a piano guy. Yeah. Uh, so trumpet. Um, I oh God, I don't know. I um, I actually got a trumpet lesson off a friend of mine, uh, the other night, Aiden, and uh, he is just he's brilliant. Um, and it's so funny because we had to go down to his his garage and sit in the back of his van to play because he's a he's a young daughter in the house. Yeah, it's loud, um, isn't it? It's loud, and he is fabulous. Um. 
great musician, great uh, kind of tone and style. Tone. They talk about tone a lot, yeah. don't they, with like yeah. uh, sax players, trumpet players. Yeah. Tone is the thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, the sound. Um, a lot of people will say that it's not so much about sometimes you might criticise someone for their playing and say, well, I didn't really like that approach or that little turn or maybe that technically wasn't correct. But very usually uh, people will go, but the sound. Yeah. The sound was so damn good. You've got to forgive all those other... Because you think of like, you know, the kind of, the, the, you know, the, the jazz legends, like particularly John Coltrane mm. and Miles Davis mm. and the tone mm. is just, it's so distinctively theirs and it's interesting you can go and find this you know if you uh, if you can get HBO um, there's a documentary about Kenny G okay. right okay and it, it like it's it's just fascinating it's kind of excruciating like he's phenomenally successful but he's kind of this jazz light he's kind of like elevator jazz he doesn't seem to have anything that you could describe as soul. Uh, I mean, that, that's, this is my this is how I experience his music, and I've, you know, it's not like I'm a fan. Of, so I'm aware of him as this character mm. who's been playing his, you know, his jazz for whatever forty years, mm. and is kind of hated by a lot of you know jazz heads and jazz purists because his thing is so lacking in kind of feel and yet he's okay. phenomenally adept mm. and unapologetically himself um, and he's I remember in this documentary which you know like he's very happily you know participating in it and you know talking about his career and owning this kind of controversial status he has within you know jazz um, but I think someone, like a commentator on the doc documentary, was saying, like, you know, Kenny G was like a, a gateway, like a gateway artist to people into jazz. Mm. But, like, often it's people who are, are not into jazz and have no interest in the jazz kind of legacy or history. Mm. Um, he's, yeah, so I don't, I, I mean, and then his tone, like, he does this bloody thing. Like, one of his sort of, um, one of his uh, kind of trademark kind of, bits in his live performances is to just do this relentless circular breathing over one note on his you know on his mm. sax and it's this for me it's the equivalent of if you think of the old um, kind of 70s kind of mid 70s late 70s you know rock guitarists uh, who are like you know playing these epic solos and are staring at their own hands like they can't quite believe how amazing they are. It's mm. like, oh my God, am I really playing this? I'm so amazing. I'm so lost in my amazingness. Mm. Which is kind of like, it just takes you away. Hold on, dude, what's this about? Yeah. Like, is it is it as masturbatory as that? And Kenny G, that's his thing where he'll just kind of go, and he'll just hold it like you know, for five minutes. Yeah. And these people, you go, you obviously have no real relationship with music. So it's like, oh my God, look at Kenny G. He's playing that note for 10 minutes. It's like, really? Is that, is that, is that what we're here for? <laughs> this, you know, this doggy jumping through a hoop. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good angle. I have another, another pal, another uh, fabulous trumpet player, Frank Carl Michael, and he'll talk about that as well, a sound, tone. 
and the, the necessity for what you don't need and what you do need nice. to play a phrase um, yeah. and what to exclude and what to include. It's a funny one at that level though where I remember seeing Harry Connick Jr. and, um, and he's such a god master musician. When was that? I might have been at that game. Oh really? Or yes. Ah no, I saw him at the point of all places. Okay. Yeah, okay. Did he have a big band or yeah, big band, yeah. Oh, that would have been good. He was sensational and his band were out of this world. But I remember after he played he was doing a solo with this guy, or did they were doing trading solos with this trombone player, and at the end of it they both turned around and kind of shaked their their butts at the crowd. Yeah. And this got the biggest Round of applause, nice. um, but nice. it was all part of like the, the the showbiz, and people love the silliness of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So there is this thing, I suppose, that, that again, if you talk like Harry Connick Jr., we're talking about like an abundant natural talent, like child prodigy level. Like he was making music and making albums from a very young age, and ranging all incredible, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. like also multi instrumentalist, yeah. jumping onto the drum kit, yeah, all this sort of stuff. Mm. And also, I, my impression was, and I was a big fan of his back in the day, you know, someone who took a bit of stick mm. for, you know, being a little bit too mainstream, mm. for being a little bit jazz as pop. Mm. I mean, but then, I don't know, like you got all that kind of snobbery around, you know, around kind of, yeah. around genres, I suppose. Mm. That's not the blues. This yeah. is the blues. That's not jazz. This is jazz. But that said, Kenny G can get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that I remember meeting a musician who said that to me about he he did all original work, and uh, I I didn't think he was uh, I wasn't a fan of what of what he did. But anyway, I remember him saying something to the effect of um, he asked me you know what gigs I had that weekend, and I had two I had two uh, commercial events and two uh, party events, and very happily so out making money and and, and working. But he said something, something to me like, um, oh, I suppose we all have to do what we have to do type of thing, as if it was that was beneath him. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was thinking of the musicians who were on that stage that I was going to be working with, and I was thinking, these are the same guys that would be booked to go and play with whoever you could name. Yeah. You know, in Ireland or the UK or Europe. Yeah. These are all the same pool of musicians who are just available. There's a date, are you free? Yes, please. You know what I mean? And then two weeks later, they're on tour with songs, so... Do you yeah. know what I mean? So, um, I, I think that's a really kind of, I just don't, I don't really, I can't get on board with that attitude. You know? Sure. Well, it's, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, you know, it's practical. It's pragmatic. It's, you know, when, when, when Chiara used to do a lot more gigging, um, you know, before he moved out to Australia, like, you know, Chiara was primarily making her living as a, a gigging musician here in mm. Ireland. And I used to be very envious because I was like, damn, you know, like, Okay, she's not doing gigs. Oh, I love doing this cover game. I love being in this pub with loads of people getting pissed, playing these really great, you know, doing great sets. But, you know, at the same time, I was like, yeah, but you're, you're making a living from your talent. Mm. You're making a living from your skills. Yeah. And similar to what you said earlier, you're kind of getting to practice. You're oh, getting yeah. paid Absolutely. to practice. Absolutely. You're getting paid to kind of improve on the piano, getting paid to improve sure. on the guitar, getting paid to... You know, try out some new material to play with your phrasing on that song, and I was like, man, I'd love to be able to just earn a crust, earn the you know, bulk of my living from acting gigs, but it doesn't exist in the same way, I no, guess. No, and I mean, you know that as well from having been an actor too. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a strange, that's a strange game. Um, I just have to laugh at sometimes at the interviews in newspapers where they say things like, you know, he was a reluctant star, and I'm thinking reluctant. Do you know, <laughs> reluctant? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, How yeah. many people would be like, you know, anything uh, but reluctant? Rip your arm off for that. To be for that, that opportunity, it just makes me laugh. Honest, yeah. And the guy is just sitting there all moodily, like I'm not sure if I want all this. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, which is always, you know, that's that's you know, that's always spoken from a position of having it. Yeah, of course, yeah. So, you know, yeah. it's that, and then that puts it into, like, you know, wanting what we don't have. Yeah, it just makes me laugh, though. It's just so, so, like, now I've got it, I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. It's just such a privileged position. But it's, I, I, sometimes, I, I, you know, I'm just a big fan of, you know, gratitude and realising how lucky, you know, mm. I am, for certain. Oh, my God, so lucky and blessed to, to be doing this and to, to make money. And even as actors, you know, so many actors that I went to school with and or studied with and some of them which is really fabulous talent and they never got paid work yeah you never uh, and i realized how lucky i was to do one gig after another for a certain chapter where i got paid yeah. to go out and perform on stage or uh, small tv roles or whatever it might be you just realize how damn lucky you were i was yeah i was just i was just i'm sure i was talking about this recently on on the podcast just getting acting work and knowing you were getting paid it just always felt like the greatest fluke Oh, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, brilliant. This is amazing. You know, how jammy is this to, to get a gig, get paid, and you're doing this thing that you love to do, and yeah. it's fun, and you're avoiding anything that resembles conventional work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. yeah know, it's amazing. I'd be, I'd be, I'm toying with the idea of uh, throwing my headshots around again and seeing you if should. I could pick up a little bit of work, you Absolutely. know, just to do it. Just to add to my uh, <laughs> add to my wife's condemnation. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, come on! Um, I had to laugh. I went out to do an audition recently, or during twenty twenty or twenty one or something, and I was just laughingly, you know, took up the tape. I was like, kids, don't worry, it's it's sorted. Uh, I, I'm an actor again. Everything's yeah. gonna be fine. That's it. Um, and my wife would laugh hysterically here. Yeah, so, yeah, no, that's that's one of my that's one of my favorite gags. Um, I used to say it when we were, you know, you'd, I'd buy a lottery ticket and uh, I'd say to uh, to Karen Maeve, I'd go, hey guys, just just remember this feeling. Remember this feeling of being poor because in six hours time we're going to be multi-millionaires. Brilliant. You know, it's the same idea, you know. Brilliant. I'm going to get this gig and we're going to be on easy street. Brilliant. You know. I love that. Just, yeah, remember, remember what it was like to be small. Be grateful for this poorness. About to say goodbye yeah, to it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so listen, I'm keeping I'm keeping an eye on the time. I know you're on the clock a little bit. Uh, tell me then about your original music. So what's what's been going on? What have you been yeah, writing and so playing I, lately? I started a project with a buddy of mine from Aikido. I studied Aikido for a while, um, and that was 2010. We met Sergio Milani. Uh, he's a lovely guy, real gent. Uh, he's Italian and he's based in Dublin and we kind of just started initially with my songs and then we started writing music together and kind of worked away at different little projects and then one of the first things that we did was a soundtrack for a short film and so on our kind of um, Spotify playlist there's a song called Freddy Go Round and three instrumental tracks and those are from that short film but that was the first thing that we did together and it just was very unexpected in the sense that when I when I when the guy says to me he was he's written this little short film 
before I'd even thought about it, I said, oh, I can do the music for that. And myself and my writing partner will do that. Yeah, nice. And, uh, and then thought to myself, can I? <laughs> um, That's it. Just uh, you know, get in the door first. You know, <laughs> yeah, worry, exactly. you know, worry about what you have to do afterwards. <laughs> yeah, so we just got in the studio and it, just, it was very unexpected because it just became so... We had great chemistry, great writing chemistry. Yeah, nice. And so enjoyable to sit down and create together. And I thought, this is fantastic. This works. Yeah. You know? what, what's, what's his instrument? Um, I guess you could say guitar. Really, he will be real master of of the guitar, uh, and he's also got a he's a fantastic kind of engineer and producer and like the tech, as okay. you know from your own work doing. But it's it's a huge <laughs> part of it. It's a huge part is 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 being able yeah, to. Uh, I've got I've got the most rudimentary grasp of the technical requirements. Well, that's where, that's and that's where we all kind of start. But he's he's really um he's a, really evolved with that stuff, and he's got great patience with like you know. Uh, this isn't working, you know. In technical things, he wouldn't get it. He'd be very patient and kind of let's, you know. Um, Whereas you, know. you would, you think, you know, if if that wasn't there, would you just kind of burst on and go, "It'll be grand. We'll 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 get there." Or and um, well, sometimes or get stuck. Yeah, kind of like ah, oh, you know. Uh, but uh, I think that is it's an invaluable quality in life. I think is is patience sure. and being calm. And I I've been around so many people to my um, myself to an extent is that you have impatience with something and think oh well forget it that's not working that thing there or, uh, you know uh, I'm yeah. not going to do that now and forget about it but t- to really kind of sit there and not have an emotional reaction mm. to say something technically that isn't kind of working so that's is. for me like when I hear that I kind of go it's about it is about detachment mm. you know to go I really I'm passionate about this I love it mm. I want to do well mm. But if if I'm too enmeshed emotionally, mm. if it's if I feel it's too close to me, you know, I'm gonna live and die by every little mm. every little ripple, every little bump. So to be able to be detached and go, do you know what? This isn't working. Yeah. We need to just row back or let's take a pause and let's try and approach it from this angle and maybe, you know, then you're gonna kind of, you know, get the results you want. Yeah, it's it's about that pro attitude as well, mm. where you're not chasing the thing around the room. Mm. You know, if it is a technical issue or if it's a if it's a writing issue and a creativity issue, it's not to kind of um, it's not to be dominated by the challenge of it, but more to kind of um, just to sit, hold, mm. and change angle, whatever mm. it might be. It might be to do with if you're creating, it's to do with a new instrument, it's a new angle. It's what if we change the key of this. What if we remove that instrument from this now? What have we got? All those things. But um, I think once you get into that headspace, the whole thing is much more pleasurable as opposed to, you know, uh, just a better way to work, I think. Yeah, which is maybe not so objective driven. Mm. It's more like, okay, the process, let's go on the journey. Sure. I don't know. Sure. I'm not a musician, so. Yeah. Um, And then... Just tell me then, there's obviously a big difference if you're writing uh, a song, <coughs> sorry, if you're writing a song that's kind of lyrically driven, like you so a conventional pop song, would that be fair? Is your genre as an original musician, would you say? Um, yes, where, well, this, where pro- do you sit? this project and the band name and the home, I mean, like that is very much between Sergio and I. And uh, so for that, for, for this project, band as such is it pop music some of it is the song we're mixing right now and uh, things are going to change is very much i think pop and very commercial very accessible the 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 first 
the Freddy Go Round track and, and that soundtrack is very much like something like a Peaky Blinders. Okay. Very kind of um, bass, drums and gangster type of mood, you know. Which, um, which, which was presumably appropriate for the short movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then the other track that we have published on Spotify is called Boy. And that, I think, would be... It's not pop, but it will be, com- I guess, commercial rock, you might call it. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's always hard to define what what it, what it is. Sure. And so for Boy, then, does it start with lyrics? Did you have, a, a, like, a, a lyrical idea? Or did it start with, like, the music? Or, you know, so... Yeah, a, a, a little bit of both. Again, it came out of a kind of a, um, playing along in the studio. We kind of look at each other like tennis players and say, have you got something? Yeah, I've got something. I've got this. Okay. okay. And then you start going with it. And then I was just um, a bit like kind of just diving off. You kind of just start singing and trying to find where am I going with this and maybe come start coming up with ideas. So it's it's usually a bit of both at the same time. And then to finish it off lyrically, I would kind of go back over everything and say, okay, well, this line, take that out. This this works here. Um, but it would usually evolve at the same time for me. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so that sounds pretty organic then. Um, I suppose... It just depends. It depends. Probably, probably varies quite a bit from musician to musician. Yeah. So, tell me the name of the the, the, the other song, Freddie. Freddie, uh, Freddie, go round. Freddie, go round, and then there's a couple of instrumental tracks as well. With that. Yeah, they belonged. They were like an EP, if you like, and they were part of that soundtrack to yeah. that short film. Uh, and it uh, was kind of a, a film noir type soundtrack. Okay. Cool. Um, and so yeah, if you had to, if if I had to pitch it towards a TV show, what where would it sit or something? I'd say Peaky Blinders. It would yeah, sit with that. Yeah, you said that. Um, and then Boy would be more. I don't know how to classify Boy. Uh, it's it is very very melodic and quite rock, but it also it's a ballad. It's like a, a rock ballad. I guess you could call it. Yeah, well, maybe uh, we'll maybe we'll play that one at the uh, at the end of the show or at the end of the interview. Mm. Um. And you've got, you, I think you mentioned you're working on something else at yeah. the moment. A song called Things Gonna Change, which is possibly our most kind of optimistic and, and catchiest song we've done so far. Very upbeat and um, yeah, it's just being mixed at the, at the minute. So yeah, it's, it's really exciting. It's just such a, a pleasure to kind of create and then be able to publish these things. And it's amazing. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, and so, obviously now with the pandemic um, restrictions being finally lifted, you're actually you're out gigging again. Mm, very much so, yeah. A, a commercial events, and then um, the original events is a, is a slightly other field that I we also have to kind of yeah. It, there's a certain that's a different almost um, it's a different world altogether. Sure, one that I haven't kind of been in uh, for a little while. I've been well of the past two years for certain so but yeah it's, it's exciting just to get back out there to play and, um, and just to be out there playing and obviously making money again from gigs we did our first show back with the with the the, the party band was in um, it was up in the north of Ireland but when we started and it was a great band that night a uh, great guitar player and when the when we started there was such an experience Blows of reaction in the room. There was girls up on tables. Yeah. And I remember just looking at it thinking, this is one of the most 
wonderful moments of my life. It was like two <laughs> years of you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't. Yeah. And um, it was like it was like pulling back the ring on a on a can of like you know um, a can of happiness, <laughs> a can of euphoria. It was just so rock and roll. It was hilarious. so rock and roll. It yeah. was brilliant. People just going, give me... It's like, you know, like teenagers listening to Rock Around the Clock the it, first time. Yeah, it was. Just like, what is that it sound? Was. It was it's like... live music. It was like, I need this. Inject me with this at top yeah. volume. It was brilliant, yeah. Gas, bloody yeah. hell. Yeah. And so... Um, Tell me then, you're you're part of a like a, a apart from apart from the lovely Sergio, um, you're part of another creative team because your wife is in the arts as well. Elaine Murphy, yeah, actor and writer. She wrote a most famously a play called Little Gem, and at the minute now she has just finished adapting Circle of Friends for the Gaiety Theatre, and that is starting in the middle of April. Right, uh, the, uh, Maeve Binchy. Yeah, the Maeve Binchy novel, Circle of Friends, um, <laughs> which we were, yeah, we, we mentioned earlier, mm. uh, before, we, before we went on air, before mm. we started recording, the movie was like from 90, I want to say 94, Chris O'Donnell and Minnie Driver. That's right, and yeah. And yeah. Alan Cummings, was it? The, uh, oh. the Scottish actor. I think you're, I think you might be right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's kind of the Schlieveen sort of character in it. Yeah. This is the first time the play's been adapted for stage. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was thrilled to, to be asked. And I think it's a great fit. I think it's a great natural fit for Elaine's style. And, yeah, uh, nice. It's a perfect, uh, yeah. I, um, I remember seeing Little Gem. I think that was, um, that must have been around 2009. Mm. So I think I remember, I remember going to see it in Tala at the Civic. Um, I'm just loving it. I just oh. thought it was so, so good. Oh, that's great. So... Funny, so witty, so moving, so real. Just they felt like very authentic characters, and yeah, yeah it was just. I mean, it's you know, when, when theater's at its best, it's yeah. just kind of you just go on the journey so effortlessly, mm. you know. And there's just a great sort of relatability, even though the, the characters were all women. Um, but I just felt, yeah, I believe these characters, I believe yeah. them, and I was, you know, I was in tears laughing and then I remember it was quite moving as well mm. there were there were other tears just quietly, <laughs> just quietly on, on the slide is that my karate instructor crying no yeah. I wasn't crying there was something in yeah. my eye and so that must be good I mean like of course you know my wife's a musician so I mean I, it definitely helps doesn't it when you're when you're a creative person mm-hmm. to know your your partner gets it absolutely that they have insight and maybe a bit of sympathy absolutely uh, absolutely um, yeah it's crucial just to understand each other and also to support each other and give advice in, in terms of you know what do you think of this or what do you think of that or, um, and Elaine actually there was a great crossover recently where she she wanted two songs for um, she had lyrics for one for a project and then she had she, uh, she had melody and lyrics for the other but we myself Sergio wrote uh, the music for one of those songs where she just had the lyrics and then for the other one then she pretty much had the whole thing written herself but we just put the music in behind that that type of thing is really exciting and really um incredibly rewarding yeah you know? yeah nice it's to work together yeah and you've got a couple of boys at home as well don't you i got two boys oscar age eight and elliot age ten and so what are you going to say to them when they turn around and go daddy i want to be an actor daddy i want to be a musician 
are you going to go, no effing way? <laughs> well, here's the best part, is that we tried to get them to do auditions because they're two, two little characters and they won't do it. And then I'm, I'm constantly practicing and I'll say to um, to both of them, and they're both musical, I'll say, what do you think, you want to want, you learn some uh, guitar? It's like, no way! And they're just mad into their sports. Yeah, guys. So it's, yeah, it's we, fascinating. We, we get a bit of that resistance from Maeve as well. Um, we work on her constantly, but you know she she is a character herself, and you know definitely you can see the little actress there. You can see she's got good musical instincts. She's got you know she's physical, she's sporty, mm. um. But like I keep saying, for John, come in and do some karate. You know, I'm teaching a class. Yeah. And she goes, no, that's that's not my thing. Like, oh really? That's screw you, pal. <laughs> you know. Um, and Kiara's like, come on, you want to play some music? No. Although we think we're getting into the piano now, which is oh, that's, that's quite exciting. Ah, oh, that's great. Um, look, I want to ask you about one other thing before we before we wrap up. I know you've got I know you got to go somewhere now. Don't laugh. It's nothing funny. This is a serious question. Oh, sorry. Right? Okay, gotcha. This is a serious question. Oh, no, I'm not winding you up. Okay. Um. So obviously we've just come out of this long, you know, yeah, period sure. of intense kind of compromise pressure altered reality mm. um and you kind of go look it's tough enough trying to you know live a different life mm. trying to live the creative life at the best of times mm. it comes with compromise it comes at a cost it comes with sometimes that feeling of am i mad to still be doing this feelings of possibly other people just don't get it they think mm. i'm a loon for doing this sure you throw two years of a pandemic on top of that my question is like, how do you keep yourself well? Like, what does oh, yeah. you know, What does wellness and kind of <laughs> keeping yourself on track? What does that look like for you? Well, yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, I'll tell you, I had a, I had a, a huge kind of um, watershed moment in twenty one. I'll try and give you the bullet points real quick. But I got um, I got COVID in was it July twenty one? I got a very strange side effect which nobody else seemed to really get. It was pins and needles. Okay. Very, very strange. Yeah. Hands and arms, legs and feet. And um, I, I, the long and short of it was no doctor seemed to understand what it was, where it was coming from, or when mm. it would stop. And it kind of sent me down this kind of, um, on this journey to, to, to investigate how can I get rid of this. Okay, and down so the when, rabbit hole. So when you talk about wellness, the first thing I, I thought of was Wim Hof. Um, oh, yeah. cold water therapy meditation um, and then the other thing was to do with um, just diet uh, but since I started on that journey last year I have been in the, the, the fittest and the physically and mentally I've ever been yeah right uh, through excluding certain things in my diet okay. and then exercising and uh, getting into the seeds the freezing water good man good man uh, cold that's, showers that's, that's my cup of tea yeah cold showers you know you start with your warm shower and you finish with your freezing cold and it is like doing 10 espressos yeah uh, and, it, and it will completely reset uh, those feelings of blue uh, the blues or whatever yeah um, but that's yeah and since then I, I a lot of the old anxiety about um, you know as, as artists there's never any security yeah but you kind of realise as well is that there's no security for anybody yeah. <laughs> it's kind of an illusion uh, it's, it's an illusion but what you can control is yourself your own mind and um, yeah I have to say it's it's. I, I, this is the bet that the, what would you say the happiest and most peaceful I've I've been 
ever. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's a result, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a total game changer. How long do you think it's gonna last? Probably some next week or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that is huge. I mean that like the, the like you know, your your partner benefits, your children yeah. benefit. Like that's that positive ripple, mm. you know, where everyone knows shit, he's actually in much better form, yeah, he's healthier, yeah, and it brings the calmness oh, and yeah. it brings a kind of a a serenity, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, and it brings the fitness too in terms yeah. of being able to weather, you know, things that might have just went made you go, Oh for God's sakes previously you're like, Yeah, it's yeah, okay, it's okay. Nice. That's all right. So that's that's a increased resilience. Yeah, and but but beyond that almost like a it's fine. A bit more like kind of surfing. Nice. <laughs> As opposed end. to I have to try and sure. how am I gonna battle this? It's like, no, it's fine, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with this, you know. Okay. Nice. So, very yeah. good. Well, that's a uh, that's a very positive note to end things yeah, on. You like that? Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> Listen, man, great to see you. Thank and, you so much. Uh, great to talk to you. Thank and, you. And um, yeah, well, good luck with good luck with it all. Good luck with life. And you too. And the thank project. You for, thank you for having me on. It's your podcast. Good. Brilliant. Listen, well, man. Uh, thank you very much. You're the you're officially now. You're, you know you're the first the first interview the first interview guest. So I'll be back next Saturday. What time? Next yeah, time? yeah. No, same same time yeah. again. Okay, um, we'll start you off with the coffee. <laughs> uh, we'll make sure the microphone is on right from the start. All right, man. Take thank, it easy. Thank you Focus so much. In. All the best. Good luck. Now, there you are. Make of that what you will. That was me talking to Gavin McCaffrey and what a lovely chat it was so uh, thanks thanks to Gavin for making the trip down to hashtag blessed and yeah blessing the podcast in his own way so you can find Gavin's work um, at his website which is www dot the hum official dot com that's the hum h-u-m official dot com and you can find uh, his tracks there and find out what he's up to so yeah and uh, i will i will play out today with uh, one of his tracks I'll, I'll, I'll introduce that just as i as i sign off okay so i'm going to leave it there now thank you for listening uh keep coming back um and participating in this exchange i give you my words you give me your ears that's it (laughs) and um i welcome i welcome your feedback i welcome your response at any time you can you can catch me on social media at the clear out podcast on facebook the clear out podcast on instagram the clear out podcast on youtube and the clear out two on twitter and you can email me here at the clear out live at gmail.com and should you want to support the podcast which is an independent podcast should you want to support it financially you can do so You can use the supporter link, which you'll find in the description of the podcast, wherever you listen to it. Uh, Or you can use Patreon. You can use patreon.com forward slash the clear out. And I would welcome any contribution you feel you could give. It's all welcome. It's all contributing to this 
this project, this venture, this output, this creative thing. And let's support the artists. Let's support creative people. It's good energy. It's going to a good place. Okay, that's it. I'm out. So, I'm Dara Clear. This has been The Clear Out. You're still you. And to finish today, I am going to give you the track Boy by Gavin McCaffrey and The Hum. All the best. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye. This child, I don't have it all figured out. Wiser man than me tried, all they seem to find is their self doubt. Will they drive all night for you? Will they stand up?
Yeah.